Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Mediascope Brief. My name is Tachi. I hope you're doing well. It's been a little while because I've been super busy, but I'm here to bring you the best in media tech and pop culture news. So let's do that, shall we? I want to talk a little bit about Google. So Google's parent company is Alphabet, and they have blasted past Wall Street's earnings estimates in their second quarter, which sent the stock up in after hours trading. Now, all of this is despite the fact that last week Google was hit with a record $5 billion fine from the EU because of its Android operating system or cartel, whichever you want to call it. So the company reported per share earnings of $11.75, excluding the impact of a $5.7 billion charge in connection with the EU commission fine. That compares with analyst earnings estimates of $9.66 per share. And taking into account the fine imposed by the European regulators, the second quarter earnings dropped 9.3%. Revenue for the second quarter reached nearly $32.7 billion, up 26% from a year ago. Wall Street forecasts revenues of $25.6 billion. So they beat expectations. This is Alphabet's first earnings report since the EU or the European Commission slapped them with a record fine for abusing the dominance of Android mobile operating systems. Of course, was wondering why most of the world uses Android. Hmm. So European regulators says Google's parent company unfairly favored their own services by forcing phone makers to pre-install the Chrome browser and the Google search app in a bundle with the App Store play. It also violated competition rules by preventing phone makers from selling phones that run modified versions of the Android software. So they have 90 days to end this nonsense or they're going to face additional penalties. $5 billion may be nothing to sneeze at, but it's nothing to sneeze at either. <laughs> the, com- uh, the company has indicated their willingness to absorb those fines as it appeals the ruling. Damn well better. Anyway... Also during this quarter, the European Union's new privacy rules took effect. So considering that the most sweeping changes in data privacy in two decades are because of of this, it requires digital advertising companies and publishers to get consumers' explicit consent to use their personal data. So there is a lot going on in terms of uh, privacy protection, in terms of, I guess this would be antitrust in a way. Let's see what happens with it. Okay, well, what do you think about this or do you care? I would love to know. Send me a message, drop me a note. Love to hear it. Okay, cheers. I'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Egypt and fake news. In the same week that Mark Zuckerberg insisted that Facebook should not be in the business of determining what's true and what's false, Egypt's government stepped forward and said, well, we will be. So the government media watchdog moved forward on its own anti-fake news legislation, which, unlike Facebook's policies that only remove fake content deemed harmful or inciting violence, this will give the government sweeping power to remove and ban fake content from anyone with more than 5,000 social media followers. So according to Reuters and Select All, this new law, which critics deride as social media censorship disguised as fake, a fake news crackdown, is going to categorize 
Facebook and Twitter users as well as blogs and websites with more than 5,000 followers as media outlets. So here's where this comes into play. Designated as a media outlet, popular journalists, activists, and influencers, and plain old everyday social media users will be required to obtain a permit from the government before launching a website. So on Tuesday, Osama Haikal, Egypt's head of Parliament Media, Parliament's Media, Culture, and Antiques Committee, defended the measure saying penalties related to crimes of inciting violence, promoting discrimination between citizens, or impinging on their honor shall be regulated by law. So this bill is awaiting the signature of Egypt's president, Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, who will directly choose the media regulator responsible for determining what counts as fake news. So the government has already possessed the power and the ability to censor large media companies before. This new law, though, would dramatically increase those affected. Like I was saying, also those private, it could be those private social media users who have 5,000 plus users. They're going to be considered media outlets now. Even everyday social media users, as I said, could face penalties for spreading fake news, which could have a disastrous effect on freedom of expression. Too far or not far enough? Let me know what you think. Okay, I'm waiting. Cheers. So this next story may make you think twice before revealing a whole bunch of personal information to your Uber driver. That's because there was an Uber driver in Missouri who streamed unwitting passengers on Twitch. Yeah, on Twitch. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported last week that Jason Gargak has streamed more than 700 of his Uber rides since March under the screen name Just Smurf. So he told the Post-Dispatch that he, quote, just tries to capture the natural interactions between himself and the passengers, what a Lyft and Uber ride actually is. So viewers do what viewers do, and they left all sorts of terrible comments, crude jokes, etc. in the chat. So Gargak, this is the problem. He did not inform passengers that they were being recorded and broadcast when they got into the car. So passengers could be candid and they might reveal names or where they live and that poses privacy issues. Missouri is a one-party consent state, meaning that only one person needs to know that they're being recorded in order for it to be legal. How else would it anyway? Still... There are questions about whether rideshare passengers have a reasonable expectation of privacy in their cabs. While Twitch is mostly for video game streaming, there's an in real life section of the site. So for those of you who are Twitch users, you know it's, it's become a growing phenomenon with non-gamers as well. And it's dedicated to other types of content. So last month, Gargak tweeted about having 4,000 followers and 100 subscribers. They're not really high numbers, but 100 subscribers could get him about $350 a month. That's nothing to sneeze at. So shortly after the Post-Dispatch story was published, Lyft, Uber, and Twitch all cut ties with Gargak and they disabled his accounts. The taxi app stressed that they require drivers to follow local and state laws. But before this blowback, Uber made a lazy attempt at making amends to passengers who complained. They basically were like, eh, okay, but now there's blowback, so oh, now we're indignant, now we have to do something. Uber, you're in enough trouble. You need to be strong from the get-go. 
So the Post-Dispatch says that the company will give them a $5 credit and a promise that they would not be paired with Gargak as a driver. What? Anyway, so in other words, Uber was totally fine with Gargak's behavior until it became a publicity issue. So that is an issue in and of itself. Aside from the whole thing of being recorded while you're in an Uber or a, a Lyft, that's that's problematic in and of itself. But the fact that the company, who by the way is all has already been in a bunch of hot water and is still trying to dig their way out, this is another terrible publicity stunt. I don't know who their PR people are, but they need to be bloody fired. Let me know what you think about this. Are you apprehensive about riding an Uber or Lyft now because of that? Or do you think this is just a one-off and doesn't usually happen on the regular? Let me know what you think. I am waiting to hear your replies. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. Let me take this little bit of a break to cross promote some other things that I'm doing. So you guys know I do Mediascope, these little briefs here, but I do the full version on Periscope and Facebook Live and also Instagram Live on Wednesday. So every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern and then again at 6 p.m. Eastern, I do that. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I just had to plug that. I'm also here to talk about the fact that I together with my, so I should do it the other way, my good co-host, Kevin, also known as No Malone Radio or Kevin No Malone, and I have a fantastic podcast. Yes, I'm bigging us up because we are fire. It is called TV Channeling, and it is so much fun and really awesome, and we would love for you to be a part of it. You know you can actually ask us a question, so if you want, go to Kevin's station or go to or come to my station and leave a question. Maybe you have a, a comment about the last episode of Pose. I would love to talk about that. Please put it in. <laughs> Maybe you have a, a question about why the coming Doctor Who is a female. I don't know. Whatever it is that's on your mind that's TV or film or entertainment related, please make sure you drop us a line. You can leave it for us on either Kevin's station, Kevin No Malone, or my station here, uh, Tachi of Mediascope, also known as the Mediascope Salon, and we will be happy to play them well, it won't really be live because it will be recorded, but we'll play them during <laughs> the, the podcast. So make sure you leave us a question or a comment. We love to have interaction with you all. And again, my station or Kevin's station, and we will play them during our podcast. And you'll be all over the place because we're world famous. At least I like to think so, and we like to think so. <laughs> so anyway, we look forward to hearing your questions and comments and having great interaction with you. All right. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. Let's talk Snapchat. Did you know about Snapcash? It was a way of sharing money with friends, kind of like splitting the bill. Well, don't get too excited because it's about to go. <laughs> Snapcash was basically a way to pay, became a way to pay adult performers for private content eventually, not just splitting bills with friends, but soon it's all going to be gone. So this peer-to-peer -peer payment space is disappearing on August 30th. 
found out about it because code buried in Snapchat's Android app included a Snapcash depreciation message, and it said Snapcash will no longer be available after uh, such and such date. So shutting down the feature will bring an end to the four-year partnership with Square to power the feature for sending money to people. It was probably more of a liability than it was a utility, though. So there are apps like Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, and Square Cash itself, and there were plenty of other ways to pay people back for drinks and Ubers, if you don't get recorded in them. Anyway, uh, so Snapcash may have been low on legitimate usage. Then, meanwhile, they did a search, uh, according to TechCrunch, for on Twitter for Snapcash, and it surfaced a whole bunch of erotic content in exchange for payments through Snapcash. So it was probably safer to ditch Snapchat, for Snapchat to dish Snapcash than to risk any more PR problems. <sighs> All right, well, did who of you use Snapcash? Did you even know it existed? Well, whenever there's a way to pay money for things, best be for damn sure the porn industry will find a way or the erotic industry will find a way or just any old Instagram person will find a way. All right, let me know what you think of Snapcash, if you used it, if it was convenient or why, because Venmo and PayPal exist. Okay, I'm waiting. Cheers. Okay, so now we're off of Snapchat onto Instagram. And this past Thursday, they announced a new feature that's going to let you know when friends are using the app. So when your friends are active on Instagram, you'll see a green dot next to their profile picture in various spaces within the app, including the direct inbox in your friend list um, and your friends list rather. And when you share a post from your feed. So they also said in, that the dot will only appear for people you follow and people you've previously DM'd. This sounds like something I'm not necessarily into, uh, but if you're into it, great. You don't have to do anything. But if it sounds like a nightmare and you don't want people knowing at every waking moment that you're on Instagram and ignoring them, all you have to do is turn it off. So go to the profile, to your profile, and tap the three horizontal lines or dots in the upper left-hand corner of the screen. You'll find settings, and in the lower left in the lower left-hand corner, scroll down to privacy and security. Choose activity status, and the toggle will be blue if your activity status is on, which will be it will be by default. Slide it to the left to turn it white, which turns it off. So you don't have to let people know that you're on all the time. You can lurk in peace. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and turn off your status or leave it on, whichever floats your boat. Okay, I'll be back. Cheers. And finally today, we're going to talk food. Meal kits. There are all sorts of meal kits from HelloFresh to plated to Blue Apron and a bunch of others that I can't name right now that serve everything from paleo to extra meat to vegetarian to vegan. Probably one that serves just rocks. Who knows? In any case, meal kits are all the rage right now because it allows you to prepare a meal and everything is portioned out and cut up. So all you have to do basically is open and cook. Well, there's a new type of meal kit that kind of doesn't make much sense and I wonder why they're doing it. Chick-fil-A! 
is soon going to ask Atlanta customers to test a new concept for the brand. They're going to be called Mealtime Kits, and they launch at 150 restaurants across the Atlanta area beginning August 27th. Now, these are designed to make it easier for customers to cook their own meals at home using fresh pre-measured ingredients that they could pick up at the drive-thru, at the front counter, or via the Chick-fil-A One app, according to the Chick-fil-A website and their press release. Chick-fil-A chef and Atlanta restaurateurs Stuart Tracy helped develop five different kit recipes, which are easy to follow, simple to make, and include the quality, okay, Chick-fil-A used in the brand's famous chicken. So Chick-fil-A will be the first in the quick service industry to offer a full meal kit offering, and customer feedback on this test is what's going to help the restaurant company decide whether or not to roll out the concept nationwide. So... Michael Patrick is an innovation program lead at Chick-fil-A, and he's leading the mealtime kits efforts. He said, we know our guests are busier than ever and need a variety of convenient dinner options. We're excited to offer mealtime kits as a new way for us to serve our guests by providing fresh ingredients to enjoy a delicious meal at home. You don't want it cooked first? I digress. He also says, we designed our meal offering so guests don't have to order ahead, subscribe to a service, or make an extra stop at the grocery store. They simply pick up a meal kit at one of our restaurants at their convenience. For example, when they're ready, already at a Chick-fil-A restaurant grabbing breakfast or lunch, or in a drive-thru on their way home. So it's a limited time test offer. They're going to be available to customers in Atlanta until November 17th, but customers nationwide can express their interest in trying the kits by filling out an online form. So according to them, all the chicken used in the mealtime kit have no antibiotics ever, They were the first in the quick service industry to commit to using only no antibiotics ever chicken in all of their restaurants by 2019. Okay, so it's still 2018. Does that mean that some of the restaurants have no antibiotic, uh, have antibiotic chicken? Just asking. So the chicken in the kits is also trimmed and marinated. So all you have to do is just cook it. Let me know, I am dying to know whether or not you would try a Chick-fil-A meal time kit. Looking at them, it seems like they have things like enchiladas, salads, uh, yeah, chicken and home fries type of thing or fingerling potatoes. I don't understand why this is something you could not do on your own, but I guess that could be said for any of the meal kits because it doesn't look like it's anything super fancy. It looks like um, it's Chick-fil-A food, but you're preparing it, which is why I'm puzzled as to why you wouldn't have them cook it. Is it that much cheaper for you to prepare? Interesting, and I'm going to be watching this because I want to know what the price point is. And any of you in the Atlanta area, please go get one and cook it and let me know what it's like. Okay, so I'm going to probably bid you adieu. I might be back, but if I'm not, I hopefully will see you in the next couple of days or hear you in the next couple of days. Okay, cheers and peace and love. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's Mediascope Briefs. I hope you enjoyed them and were entertained as well as informed. 
In any case, maybe you'd like to drop me a line or you have some news that you want me to report on or you have a question. I'm totally down for all of that. All you have to do is drop me a line here on any of these listening apps. I would love to hear from you. Or you can also drop me a line uh, at at Tachiata on Twitter, T-A-C-H-I-A-D-A. I would love to hear from you. So just either DM me or send me a tweet on Twitter. I would love, love, love to hear from you. You can also, if you want to DM me on Instagram, I am Dr. Dr. Underscore Tachi. And you can actually leave me a message there too. I would love to hear from you anything related to Mediascope or otherwise. Okay, so for now, I will see you soon. Cheers.